Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry. I can be found at nickferry.com. I'm joined with a couple friends, April Wilkerson, who can be found at wilkerdues.com, and Jay Bates, who can be found at jayscustomcreations.com. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good morning. Yeah, well, good morning. Hello, everybody. It is morning now, isn't it? Yeah, I guess we normally record these in the afternoon. Well, due to some technical difficulties, it is morning. Uh, a couple, uh, let's see here, one announcement anyways, a new contributor since last time, uh, Kenneth Pace. Thank you so much for uh, uh, your contribution, definitely uh, helps out a lot. Uh, what, what did I say last time? It was... Grease in the wheels. Yeah, it keeps the wheels greased up or stop squeaking or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish it would have said that, or I would remember what it was the first time, but... Uh, I normally again, say it just tech- keeps the ball rolling, so whatever. Yeah, but that's just that's just too common. Yeah. Anyway, it is very much appreciated, Kenneth. We do appreciate it. There you go. Thank you, Kenneth. And uh, I guess moving right along into it, Jay and April were uh, over in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin at my shop for the last week and a half or so, and uh, that was definitely fun to say the least. To say the least. Yeah, that was that was an adventure. It was very, it was a big learning experience and a lot, a lot of fun. I guess adventure is a great way to put it. That's just like an <laughs> all-encompassing great way to, to describe it. It was definitely an adventure. There was so many inside jokes, so many little small trips here and there, uh, checking out Green Bay. And, you know, we also, as much fun as it was, we also busted our butt and we got a lot of work done. A ton of work, a ton of projects, a lot of videos. Yeah, I think it was nine videos in total. Mm-hmm. But it, actually, if you count the actual projects, because we didn't film every single project. Uh, we were, of course, on the lathe a lot. And so we didn't, we didn't film all of those. So it was nine videos and then I don't even know how many actual projects we got done. I'd say about 15 total, somewhere in there. Because, yeah, like winding down for the night when we're done with like air quote business stuff, you know, making the videos, uh, winding down was just winding up on the lathe, you know? Mm-hmm. For the record, when Jay said air quotes, he was physically doing air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> air quotes. Boom, boom. There you go. <laughs> and, and for those 15 projects, we were there for a total of 12 days. So, Two days accounting for travel. So in t- for 10 days worth of work, 15 projects, that's 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 pretty good, I think. So real quick to run through the projects that we did get done, which we will release within the next couple months or so, just sporadically on all three of our channels. Uh, we had April have her first turning on the lathe. She made a uh, mini... Handle. Yeah, it was like a, a mini hex driver, screwdriver handle. Uh, Nick turned a handle for his five-eighths of an inch Carter and Son bowl gouge. Um, Nick made a... Well, I say Nick. Uh, we all three participated in all of these, but uh, whoever's name, that that's the channel that it's going to go on. So uh, Nick has a bedside table for his son, which turned out absolutely fantastic. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, we made an outfeed slash assembly table for his table saw a pipe clamp style vise for that outfeed assembly table. Um, also, all three of us uh, had like the last day we did like a challenge project where all three of us turned, I'm not, not turned, we all three made a clock. I turned part of mine, so 
Um, and then also, what was the last one? I'm, I'm missing one. My Mortise and Tenon compilation. Yes. Yes, we did a uh, mortise and tenon compilation style video uh, showing multiple different methods for mortises and multiple different methods for tenons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so like Jay said, those are going to be coming out over the next few months, um, even though it would be nice to, to get them all edited and release them now. All of us have other things going on, so we're just going to be fitting them in uh, where, where they fit in. So just be looking for those. Did we want to say when the tentative date for the first one to come out is? No. No? no. Just, keep, no. just keep them at pins and needles? Pins and needles, suspense, and all that good stuff. <laughs> no, I hate putting dates on, on release stuff because, you know, life happens, and mm-hmm. um, we're just, all of us are just one-man crew or one-person crew, and, uh, you know, and stuff happens. So, you know, we just change things around as needed. Yeah, especially in this line of work, because I have a, I'm going to be working on my fence, and so I'm thinking that that might take up three videos, but then again, it might be two, so who knows, but then after that, we'll probably be the first release of, or first video release of, of our compilation video. You should specify a yard fence. Oh, what, what other type of fence? A table, table saw, saw fence? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not building one of them. <laughs> every every time you say fence, I'm like, oh, what what happened? Oh, never mind. She's talking about a different fence. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, I'm going to be yeah. tearing down my old fence, my yard fence, and then rebuilding it. It's um, it's just rickety and falling apart. Luckily, my fence has steel poles already, so I'm not going to have to mess with digging any holes or setting any post or anything like that. So that's nice. All I have to worry about is tearing down all of the uh, stringers and pickets and, and replacing them. Very cool. You said there was some metal working involved with that, didn't you? Well, what I'm going to be doing is going from a traditional style fence, picketed fence, to a board-on-board fence, and it's going to be a, a full six feet. And in order to have a board-on-board fence, you need the poles to extend all the way to the top of the fence. So I'm going to have to to weld on an extension to each pole um, in order to to achieve that. So that's going to be the first step is to extend all of the metal metal poles. Very cool. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot of work. I think you told me how long your fence is, but what's the length, do you know? It, it's right under 200 feet total. So it is, wow. it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> and, of course, the other neighbors aren't wanting to participate, so... Oh, whatever. <laughs> Does that border like three sides of your property? Or I'm on a corner lot, so I only have two neighbors, the back fence and the and one side of it. The other side is is the street. And uh, But the neighbors to our back have dogs, and they're constantly breaking down the pickets and coming into our yard. So it needs to be replaced like immediately, probably actually hmm. a few months ago. So I need to stop putting it off and get to it. Oh, that's crazy. I, I've i done a couple fences, and and I I have no desire to do any more. Yeah. Oh, really? I guess because I've never done it, I'm, like, really excited about it. It's a lot of repetition, so if you're going to practice something, that's a project to practice it on. Yeah. That's I'm going to sure. make a spacer for the pickets, and I'm actually pretty fortunate because my neighbor right across the street just replaced their fence to a board on board. And so there was one guy, professional, came out there and just whipped it out within, I think, two or three days. So I was just kind of eavesdropping, and I went over there and chatted with them for a few minutes on the second day and just kind of picked his brain a little bit. So I feel like I'm prepared for it. Sounds like you are. And, and you know, the hardest part of putting a fence in is something that's already done for you, and that's digging all those stupid holes. 
Yep. So the man who must who lived here before us must have been like into concrete work or something because he has a concrete footer the entire perimeter of the fence where the poles, which are three and a half inch in diameter steel poles, are um, in the concrete footer, and then he filled them full of concrete. So wow. it f- filled the poles. Yeah, three and a half inch diameter steel poles oh. that are already set in a concrete footer around the entire perimeter of the fence. He also filled the poles full of concrete. <laughs> yeah, so the the I don't know about filling the poles, but the uh, the the fact that it has a concrete footer all the way around that to me says that maybe uh, somebody was having a problem with uh, animals digging under the fence to escape or something like that. Oh yeah, maybe. But it actually works out in my favor because then I don't don't have to worry about a lot of moisture getting up on the bottom of the pickets. Right. So. Yeah, either that or the guy just has like a infatuation with concrete, mm-hmm. which is what I'm leaning towards because, I don't know, I really enjoy concrete as well. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> what, type of, what, what type of wood are you going to use? Uh, just some cedar, uh, probably okay. some number one pickets. Well, I forget. There's number one and number two. I forget which one's rated above which. It would make sense, of course, common sense to think number one is, but... Uh, one of the pickets just has a little less deformities than the other. And I'm probably going to go with the second number rated because uh, we plan on moving probably within a year or two. So Moving on up, hey? Moving on out. Moving on out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of moving on, before we get too far off of the Wisconsin trip, I want to get back into uh, one question that we had. Uh, David Gunn says... Uh, having you three in one shop, what was the most fun, the biggest surprise, and the biggest adjustment to working around the others? So, uh, real quick, I think we can all agree on this. The most fun was just just hanging out in between takes, or hanging out in between you know the camera rolling and and just having a blast working with other people. Definitely, one hundred percent. Nick has said it before. In fact, Nick, if you want to say it right now, you can instead of me saying it. I, no, I already forget what you're going to say. Oh, just about you encourage people <laughs> to find like a local uh, woodworker and go join them in their shop just because uh, it's, a, it's a completely different experience. Woodworking in itself is a very isolating hobby and craft. And so it's nice to change, up, change it up and work with somebody else in, in the shop environment. Yeah, and, and yeah, now I know what you're going to say that you said it. Um, <laughs> I, I forget how I worded it. And, and again, going back to the technical difficulties, we got like 20 minutes through the podcast yesterday, and it, I realized that my, my end was not recording. Um, so this is a little bit awkward for me to repeat stuff. Um, normally it's my wife that has to repeat things to, that I don't listen to. <laughs> but, By the way, his wife um, is awesome. Yes, Stacy was an absolute awesome sport for the whole trip, and she just helped out quite a bit. But yeah, I, I, uh, that's what I was saying as far as uh, even if you know not video related. I mean, obviously that's what we're doing. But um, if you know of a friend, family member, neighbor, maybe somebody in a local woodworking club that you can either drive to or stay with for even uh, just a couple days, whatever, uh, possibly a long weekend. And uh, just kind of learn from each other and hang out in the shop or even a, even a day, even an afternoon, building one project with somebody that you haven't worked with before. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's just one of those eye-opening experiences. Some things as simple as setting up a table saw and how different somebody could do it. And uh, I don't know, just huge learning opportunity. 
Yeah, I agree. Not only is it a huge learning opportunity, but it's just a lot of fun. We, like Jay was saying, we have so many inside jokes now, and there were days where our abs were killing us just from laughing so much. <laughs> so biggest surprise. That was the second part of the question. Do you guys have a biggest surprise you could take away from the trip? Yeah, I would. Uh, mine would probably be that April is so tall. April is actually about like six foot two in real life, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I doubt. <laughs> All right, well, I guess you guys couldn't hold in the laughs on that one, and so I was going to try and convince everybody that you're like super tall and that you had to crouch down for every shot. And... No, I'm five six. I don't think I'm too tall. For I think I'm average height. <laughs> Biggest adjustment or surprise, I guess, whatever. It's just um, having three people in a, you know, smaller shop. I just have a two-stall garage, so it was, you know, you might go to make a cut um, and somebody might be using that saw or it's just, you know, that the having to work around type thing is I'm not normally used to. Yeah, there were times in the shop where, especially on the last day, we were all making a clock, but all doing our own individual clock. And so we, like, Nick would be on the table saw and I would be on the router table and Nick, uh, Jay would be on the lathe and, um, it was just all moving around. Plus you include in our cases, the tripods and the camera. And it was, it was, it, it was a little bit of an adjustment plus just being in somebody else's shop and not yet knowing where they store the, the hammer, the chisels or, or whatever it is. But we very quickly got over that. And it was actually rather difficult for when they said, Oh, Hey, where's, where's the hammer? Uh, I, I would literally say in the hammer drawer, <laughs> and and I and, and it would take it would take me a couple seconds to go. Yeah, that 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 didn't further explain anything, did it? <laughs> but a, a, another big adjustment is when working with other people. For us, uh, actually recording when we were doing the videos, where all three of us were taking part in the video, but it was let's just say it was on. On Nick's channel well then Nick is going to be the one recording it the way that he normally records his videos and through the process in which he normally does the project so it's it, all three of us have our own way of doing things and in our shop we just don't think we just we, we don't think on the process we just do when it comes to recording so having to step back and say uh, like okay, Nick, well, you know, what's next? You're not, you're not the captain of the ship every single time. And that was a little bit of an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for us, since we're all in the YouTubing and making videos, not only was it a learning experience on working with other woodworkers, but also filming, I learned a, a bunch of different things about my camera and filming techniques that these two guys do that I'm now incorporating into mine. So yeah, it was, it was really interesting. That, that adjustment bit was yeah, like Jay said, it was kind of difficult to kind of be on the, the, I guess, the passenger side and not not the driver's seat. But it was it was again just like everything else. We we all adjusted really quickly to it. Definitely, and it's uh, aside from the actually making videos, I would have to say I'm I'm a rather spoiled as far as what's nearby me. No and, kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, I had planned a couple field trips, one of which to, say, my uh, plywood supplier. Uh, I have a local um, supplier of sheet goods that must have, I don't know, 100 or 200 different varieties of some pretty oddball sheet goods. I mean, anything from, I, what was the thickest sheet of plywood he had? I think it was inch and a half? Yeah, inch and a half. That is crazy to see a piece of plywood that thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, inch and a half, and some of the... 
I think his largest sheet is five by ten of uh, plywood, and so that was that was one place. And then there was you know my uh, local sawmill and also my local uh, figured wood guy. Don't forget the uh, firewood guy. Oh yeah, and uh, a place where I buy firewood. <laughs> well, I've never met him until that day either. So mm. um, I figured, you know, with with the lathe, we were going to try and get something that was green yet and um, unsplit, non-split before the wood was split. I don't know the right nomenclature for that, but normally my firewood guy, you drive up, you put you know ten dollars in the bucket, and you grab the allotted amount of firewood you take off. I've never met the guy, but I know that he's got piles and piles of wood. Uh, back behind his barn and we went and said you know hey you got any you know stumps or burls or anything like in it he had a couple burls and uh, some stuff we turned some bowls out of that was green and you know yet to be split yeah that was a fun experience if you turning something green just just long 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 ribbons coming off whatever it is but we turned a um this this half split chunk of wood into a bowl and as we were turning this thing was so wet that we turned the bottom of the bowl you know we we're just rough turning we got to put we got to set it aside and let it dry out and turn it again but we turned the outside nice and true flipped it around started turning the inside taking our time transferring be- or letting each one of us have a little go at it and you know when it was all said and done the outside had already moved and warped so much from the moisture content being removed so that was pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we put that in shavings, so we're going to, I guess, Nick, you'll unwrap that in a few months. Yeah, and uh, throw it back on the lathe and <clears throat> see what it uh, see what it turns out to be. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing a bowl. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> and then I guess one of the, uh, and I'll let Jay and April elaborate on this, but one of the more fun places was my buddy Bob's. That's uh, uh, Bob Close, uh, K-L-O-S-E. I think I spelled that right. Um, but bobclose.com, in case you guys are interested. No, I have no affiliation with him other than uh, we're friends, and that's where I get my figured wood. But, you know, this guy's an awesome furniture maker. He's uh, worked with Charles Neal on a bunch of DVDs, and uh, he sells a bunch of the figured wood that he's uh, procured because of, you know, he, he's gotten it because of his, his furniture making. And he also sells it and ships it at a really reasonable price, but just tons of highly figured like curly maple and um what do you have spalted birch and uh bird's eye yeah flame birch bird's eye maple and just bark birch yep bark pocket bark um, pocket yeah just some some beautiful stuff i allotted three hours for us to go hang out with him and april's like whoa three hours yeah i was like no we got we got stuff to do we got projects to make nick was like well we'll just account for three hours (laughs) and then sure enough by the end of the three hours i i wasn't wanting to leave it was a lot of fun just hanging out and chatting because bob place was really unique he had just uh room after room full of cool stuff to sit and look at and talk about um not only was he a fine woodworker, but then he had a bunch of unique and um, cool-looking tools, uh, just like oversized bandsaws and, and old table saws and s- stuff of that nature. And then he had a, just two rooms full of beautiful-looking wood, so it was very easy to get lost in conversation. Yeah, like throughout the entire trip, like encompassing all of the Wisconsin trip, I took a ton of pictures, and hopefully I'll put a like a wrap-up article together and, and just go through it. Um, but I want to do a separate article for Bob's place because like April said, it was just crazy interesting. It just had everything, everything a woodworker would ask for is like, 
he had this main shop area, which was, you know, stuff that's been accumulated over uh, 30, 40 years. Yeah, however long he said he's been doing that. And then right next to that was his his hardwood storage area, which not only does he use his nice figured hardwoods in all of his projects, but he sells it as well uh, at fantastic prices, I might add. I came back with quite a bit. And then... Um, after that, we looked at uh, he, he takes his his completed projects to fairs and shows and such to sell. So he has quite a few pieces, um, I wouldn't say stockpiled, but on hand. And we took some time to uh, look at all of those. And just it's it was just so awesome seeing the entire experience. You know, you've got the where the lumber, where the wood starts, where his materials come from, how he processes it throughout his whole shop, and then the completed completed journey of that material into its final stage, uh, which is just fantastic quality fine furniture. And it was just it was just such a treat to go there. Yeah, and it's a oddly enough a small world because. Like I said, if you guys aren't familiar with Charles Neal, he's like the, the woodworking guru godfather when it comes to wood finishes. Um, but also, uh, April had mentioned some of the larger equipment machines. He likes the, the large equipment and the, the, uh, the older equipment. And uh, through talking to him on, a, on several occasions uh, about what I do and, and YouTube and all that stuff, he's, he's, uh, he's aware of, I shouldn't say friends with, because I don't know how, how close, but friends with like Frank Haworth on the uh, the large equipment forums so it's just it's such a small world oh yeah i know frank you know i see him bouncing around the large equipment forums from time to time you know that's funny because like, oh. when i was yeah. looking at that especially that bandsaw i was thinking i bet this is something frank would like to look at <laughs> <laughs> right yeah frank would be like would you look at that would you just look at it <laughs> <laughs> inside jokes those are so funny <laughs> But yeah, that was just an absolute blast, and and like I said, it was three and a half hours in. I'm like, all right, you guys ready to go? And they they were still deeply ingrained in in the awe that is Bob's shop. If so, if you guys are interested, like I said, no affiliation. Bobclose.com. We'll put a link in the website article, um, show notes about it. Uh, sells the the highly figured wood. That's about all he sells is highly highly figured wood. But it's at such a reasonable price that I think I think his minimum is like twenty board feet, and he'll ship I think anywhere in the state. So definitely worth a look if you guys are interested. Yeah, very very competitive prices too when it comes to buying materials online. Yeah, it was it was actually amazing. If like I think it was the curly maple, um, even if Jay were to order it and get it shipped, was cheaper than he could get it anywhere near him. So I thought that was kind of cool. Right. So the the moral of the story is I'm I'm very very spoiled where I'm at, and uh, <laughs> whether it's figured wood or straight grain wood or, or sheet goods or you know it yeah just one of those things. So so that was the the Bob Bob is the figured wood guy. We also went to your local Sawyer, which he does mainly straight grain stuff, mainly just normal normal planks and such. Uh, he's got a electric wood miser in one of his barns and this guy has got so much wood just stockpiled everywhere he has a kiln on site um quite a large kiln i might add and uh what was his name hugie uh well he's yeah he's uh the one that's afraid of the internet and doesn't like to be mentioned so i guess i oddly gotta respect that but because i i've tried to i've asked him to do videos there and or just do a video and i said i won't mention you know you or anything or your location and he's just he's pretty old school when it comes to that stuff 
But the uh, going back to the plywood, that's Bay Ridge Building Supply in uh, Green Bay. So if anyone is in, you know, somewhat near there and they're looking for any type of sheet goods, it's definitely where to go for sheet goods. It's a sheet good mecca. I've never seen that many different varieties in one spot, and then the the quantity of each one is just like, man, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a big plywood supplier, but it's not like it's not set up like yours, Nick, to where you can actually walk through it. They have a huge warehouse and a an office. And so you can go into the office, tell the people what you want, and then you pull your truck around to the bays, and they'll load it up for you. So the guy will come over with the forklift and then take off a sheet and throw it in the back of your truck. So I just go in there and I ask for, typically when I go there, I'm just getting the Baltic birch. But now that I've seen that yours is set up to where you can actually walk through it and look at it, I, uh, I, might, I, might, I might go to mine and, and see if they'll let me walk through it. And, and I find it funny, too, because they store... 95% of their sheet goods upright uh, with backers. And I think we posted something on Instagram about that. And there are a couple of people were like, uh, won't that warp? That's not the way to store it. I mean, these guys have been doing this for like 35 or 40 years. Yeah. And I, 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 that's all I get from them is it's straight and flat. So they obviously must know what they're doing and being it's backed up and it's such large sheets. And that way you can kind of look through the pile. All you got to do is lean, lean them forward. They have it set up in a way to where, um, I mean, you could be uh, a complete weakling and be able to just fan through a big stack of uh, four by eight sheets and say, this is the one I want. And then they pull it out for you, load it up and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, April already mentioned her fence project that's upcoming. Uh, what, have, what have you got going on, Nick? I really want to get uh, around, and I'm sure you guys will have a good chuckle at this because you guys were just here, but I'd really love to get around to that hardware organizer. Um, I have bins and bins and bins of hardware and around bins my shop. And bins and bins <laughs> and bins. The funny thing is, I've a couple times on social media, I've posted pictures of the bins, and people... We're saying, you know, wow, how, you know, it's going to take you years to fill all those. No, nope. and I think they're mostly all filled. They're all full. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, insane <laughs> the amount of hardware that Nick has, and even more surprising is there would be times to where we'd be like, "Oh, we need to go and get hooks," and he was like, uh, "No, look for the hardware bin that says miscellaneous box or whatever." He could just spot off on the top of his head, and and then it, sure enough, they would be in that box. It was the craziest thing. Yep. That's I don't know. I guess that's my my workflow. I'm like a, I'm like a train. It takes me a long time to get going, but once I'm going, I don't want to stop. And uh, I hate just you know having to need like a, like two little bolts or something. And okay, stop. You know, get in the vehicle, drive to a hardware store. And to me, it loses all momentum. And there goes at least an hour out of your day just having to run and get a couple pieces of hardware. So I try to have the most common stuff just. You know, for projects and, and and some oddball stuff too. With with my theater background, it's not that unusual for me to have like a box of magnets and springs. You know, stuff that I guess most people wouldn't have. That's pretty common for me. It's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my number one thing that I I really want to get going on. Uh, I leave for a, a trip actually today, um, but uh, maybe when you get back. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking like Monday or Tuesday when I get back. But how many more hours do you think you have until you're done with it? 
Uh, Build-wise, project-wise, probably only like another six to maybe eight hours. Cool. Um, but that one I wanted to make plans. I've already had a bunch of people request plans, mm-hmm. and I'm no uh, I'm no plan you know expert. I and I, I take my time on it, and I'll probably have forty to maybe more hours just into the plans. Mm-hmm. Jay, what do you got going on next? Now that you're home, well, you're about to be leaving too. Yeah. We're all three of us are about to be leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. There's so much travel in 2016. It's it's mm-hmm. it's just been crazy. As soon as as soon as October hits and all my traveling for the year is done, I think I'm just going to become a hermit and not leave from my house. Like not even go grocery shopping, just stay here. Um, but anyway, uh, I've got five videos to edit: three from the trip and then two from before the trip. So. Um, <laughs> kind of a funny situation. I was telling April and and Nick this. Uh, I just lost an entire week in, in this month. I thought I had an entire week uh, empty before the trip, and it was the Thursday that I was supposed to drive up there. Nick sent me a text message saying, "How's the trip so far?" And I was actually over Sean Stone's house um, installing a. Uh, leg vice that I made, which is video number two. And I was like, what are you talking about? How's the trip? I, I got another week. I had the whole weekend scheduled, the beginning of the week scheduled, and I was going to get ahead. I was going to have two videos scheduled and, and done so I wouldn't miss any uh, content release. And then it dawned on me that, oh crap, I don't have this extra week. I'm supposed to be on the road right now. And instead, I'm over at Buddy's house installing something. So. <laughs> I went ahead and finished that up, which is going to be another video, and um, that just just put me behind, Um, and that's why I haven't had any content out in just a little while. I've got projects done, just got to edit them, so hopefully I can get three videos edited before I leave next Wednesday, edited, uploaded, scheduled, and the article's done, which is kind of asking a lot. Hopefully I can get that done, Um, but other than that, I just... Just a bunch of stuff on the list that I need to get to. And I'm also thinking about rearranging my shop just a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to find that I have too many horizontal catch-all spaces, I guess. And just a little bit of space inefficiency. Um, I also want to completely get rid of the plywood cart. It's just too big, taking up too much space. And I'm valuing the space more so than I am valuing the cart and when it comes to plywood I'll just have to make uh, extra trips to go get stuff as I need it Uh, I'm I'm cool with that so uh, just got some shop stuff going on that's a good uh, a good shop tip I think that uh, shops are always no matter what always evolving and so don't get dead set on you know 100% the layout and and get and get just you know enveloped in like oh this is where my bench is. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it might move it might you know it just. I agree. Yeah. Getting getting too attached to either the layout or just things in general, and because same thing with me, I I, I tossed my my workbench a year and a half ago just because I was like well it is it is useful, but I think that it would be more useful to use the space for something else. So yeah, I agree. And just that that working and walking room is really kind of nice. I had I had to really bust my butt to even get the shop clean by the time Jay and April got here. But even after they were here, they even cleaned up a little bit and kind of shoved stuff off to the side. And just uh, I'm, I'm digging the layout now. Yeah, and and, and it's actually um, 
it's still sitting that same way. I do need some long lumber storage, some rough sawn lumber storage. Uh, just, you know, I, I got no problem building a rack, but um, I just finding where to put it. But other than that, it just workflow right now. I'm, I'm digging it right now. Hey, Nick, I bet if you, uh, you could put something where that scaffolding is, where your garage door comes up, since mm-hmm. you're not going to need that scaffolding anymore, that would be great because a lot of homes have that clearance right above the garage door. And I know Jay has put shelves there for his with like tubs, but I bet you could actually build something functional for storing lumber that not only you would be able to utilize, but a lot of viewers could as well. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. As soon as that scaffolding comes down, I'll have to definitely look at that because, yeah, that could be some utilized space. I just, you know, wall, wall space is such a premium, at least for me, and I'm, I'm imagining most people. Because um, we're, we're, we were talking about that when we visited Kevin in Green Bay uh, that just built a shop. We actually met him at the meetup, but he had a double door for the front of his shop rather than a garage door, and that actually so nice. afforded him, yeah, that actually afforded him quite a bit more wall space. But I would absolutely love to have... 10 foot long, maybe even four foot tall, just like a lumber storage rack. But as of right now, I just don't have the wall space. Yeah, speaking of space for, for wood, um, I think I've reached a point where I've got too much wood in the shop, if that is such a thing. Like, uh, I brought back a bunch of figured woods from the Wisconsin trip, and my lumber rack is. I'm not a fan of horizontal storage because you always need the one on bottom, but it is what I have, so I need to use it. And it's already quite full with a bunch of oak and um, walnut that I've acquired, but I'm just running out of space. So I think I'm going to clear off the top of my miter saw station and maybe put the ladders somewhere else if I can find a spot for them outside in the shed maybe. Um and then just build up the, the entire top of the miter saw station as a lumber storage. Nick has a lot of lumber as well. I, have, um, I haven't run out of room yet, so I don't think I've maxed out how much I can store in my shop. Mine's not like efficient. That's the major problem. Mm-hmm. If you need a, a small piece, it is buried behind many others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it comes to horizontal storage, oddly enough, when... When Jay was making his uh, conduit lumber rack, I I was going to make the exact same thing, and that's why I kind of held off. But I think the one thing I would change is no more than two boards uh, per stack. Uh, yeah. Allow for, you know, like, say, four quarter, and for them to be stickered, but um, just to where, you know, because, like you said, it, it you're going to need that bottom board. If there's a stack of six, you're going to need the bottom one or the, at least the second from bottom one. Yep. That is so true. That's one thing that I regret about mine is it's, I think the spacing in between the, uh, the shelving locations is is too much. So you stack too high, and you use the one you need the one on bottom. So, all right. So let's get into some questions really quick. And Ben asks, how has being a woodworking content creator changed the way that you work in your shop? For better and or worse. For example, uh, da, 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 let me go to this one. I highlighted this. Uh, do you find yourself being more safety conscious? Do you use tools and techniques or learn skill sets you wouldn't have if you didn't make videos? Um, and follow up, do you work differently when the cameras aren't rolling? Um, I would say, just real quick to throw an answer out there, 
Uh, how has it changed the way I work? Uh, just mainly positioning it. The processes are still the same, but body positioning because I can't be in between the subject and the camera. The subject always has to be visible and in between myself and the camera. So really, it's the exact same process. Just for me, I would say body positioning is the main thing. I would say that it... Um it lengthens the process. That's about the only major change for me is that, um, you know, you could be making a project that would take an hour and with the uh, filming and, and everything, you're, you could pretty much quadruple that, um, you know, trying to turn that into content. Um, do, do I work any more safe or less safe? No, I, I'm, I'm pretty much my comfort level is pretty much the same with or without a camera on. Maybe if I got to do a quick cut and I forgot to put my safety glasses on or something like that, maybe that would be considered, you know, like, but, uh, yeah, I, it lengthens the process would be my number one. Like, how is it different? Mine is, uh, it makes me work much faster and because we only have a short, you know, four or five days to get something done and edited in order to be released on a weekly schedule. So some, for something, there's some days to where I might've stopped after, let's say three hours, but since, you know, I'm looking, I have to look at the overall timeline of, am I still going to be able to get it done? If I stop today, then if it's no, then I go ahead and keep pushing myself to get it done. Whereas if I wasn't on camera, then I would probably stop and just pick it up tomorrow. And there are still things, at least for me, that I don't do that that are or that I do that are not on camera. And the one I can think back to is that spalted maple box that I did. That wasn't uh, intended to be on camera, so, but I figured, hey, I'd try this time lapse feature on my phone. It was a little too fast how it was sped up, but um, there was really very little editing involved with that. Um, the video didn't go over all that well because you know it, it wasn't set up very well, but. That was uh, for a buddy of mine named Ted that, uh, you know, it was, I wanted to go out, make that box, and it was a gift. And it it wasn't, you know, something I really intended on filming in the first place. So there, there's still some projects for me that I don't film. And Paul Foster asks, my question is with regards to sharpening chisels, what are your thoughts to the sharpening method of a hollow grind as you'd get from a grinding wheel versus grinding a flat angle? Uh, as you would get from a sharpening stone on chisels, do you have a preference? Uh, do you think there's advantage from one technique over the other? Um, bottom line, you know, experiment with different things and find out what works for you. What works for me isn't necessarily the best thing for you and, and vice versa. Um, for me personally, um, when the uh, tool, the edge gets a little bit too far out of whack, then I do use a grinding wheel to or a grinder to get a hollow grind. And from there, I only just work on the tip. Now I use, uh, I've changed in, in several different, I've tried several different methods to sharpen. And one that seems to work the best for me is I use the diamond plates that Paul Sellers recommends, but I use the actual method that Rob Cosman uses. I, I would say advantage uh, over, you know, say like a diamond plate or, you know, some Shapton stones or something like that uh, um, versus, uh, a hollow grind on a grinder well the grinder is going to be quicker uh whether it's a you know a low speed dry grinder or a wet grinder you know grinder is just going to be quicker on all my chisels they're they're done on a diamond stone um and now my lathe tools are done on a uh, low speed uh, you know grinder 
but I, I I don't think I have any plain irons or chisels that are hollow ground on you know on a grinder. They're just it, it, once you have that the the back flat and your bevel angle established, um, just touching up uh, you know to make them sharp. It doesn't take very long at all. So I just I stick with that. I don't have any good. I have I'm never sharpened my chisels <laughs> yet. Well, I don't really use them that much. Yeah, keyword there is yet. You do have a good sharpener. You just haven't used it yet. Yeah, I have some good ch- chisels and I have a good sharpener, but since I haven't been using them. But I'll tell you what, since working with these two guys, I've worked with rough sawn lumber for the first time, some figured wood for the first time. They taught me how to use a hand plane and taught me how to use some chisels and just taught me some just techniques that I haven't tried. And so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely anticipate changing up my my style a little bit and uh, uh, throwing in these new new learned exp- uh, I don't even know what to call them but just new learned things and and you tried to uh, Jay was nice enough he got me for as a thank you for staying here uh, low angle rabbiting plane uh, Lee Nielsen and April actually used that on her clock to add some chamfers and I, I think you you seem to really dig dig using that I did yeah I liked I liked all of it I mean, it's really funny, I guess, going back to what was the gentleman's name, Dave, who asked the question about surprised and differences about us three mm-hmm. working together. Yeah, a- another thing was um, just how, I guess, working around you guys, I was just kind of, even though in my own shop, I feel like really confident and just I- I'm able to move about and go from one thing to the next and I'm I'm like sure in my direction, being around you two guys, I'm like questioning everything. I'm like, Am I doing this right? Because even as far as the way that I sand and finish something, Nick would be next to me and he'd be like, oh, well, you don't want to do that because of this. And I, and I loved that. Believe me, I loved it. But it just made me think, what else am I not doing correctly, you know? I love that Nick was over by me correcting every move of mine. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, it was just a big learning experience, being completely self-taught and never working with somebody else before. I'd never had anybody just point out the small little things that, that is so obvious to you guys because you all been doing it for so long or whatever it is, you know? So I did like it. <laughs> it, it's always a continuous learning experience, a learning oh, yeah. experience. No matter how much you know, you don't know it all. Yeah, it's it, and I, and my wife asked, you know, how how the experience was overall, and I said I'm trying to only pipe up if there's a safety issue, but um, it's it's hard for me to keep quiet sometimes. Well, I thought both of y'all did really well as far as I mean, I didn't feel small or discouraged at any point, you know. How did you not feel small next to me? <laughs> okay, well, I guess in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> All right, well, that covers everything that we had on our little template here. And once again, a big shout out and thanks to uh, Nick and his wife, Stacy for hosting us. It was an awesome, awesome experience Definitely. in many different ways. And uh, like we said, we, you will start to see some of the content that we Uh, recorded while we were there, uh, published here and there throughout the next month or two. Uh, But that's it. That's all we got. Uh, If you'd like to stay up, if you'd like to stay up to date with everything on the podcast, be sure to check out thewoodworkingpodcast.com and subscribe on uh, Android, iTunes, or RSS. And if you'd like to contribute, there is a link on the website to do so. All of that is very much appreciated. And again, thanks to Kenneth Pace for uh, contributing since the last time we spoke. And until next time, you guys take care and have a good one. Bye, everyone. See you guys later.